0: Now, Now. real people, real opinions. Nighttime Talk with Niall Boylan.
1: Ireland's classic hits radio.
0: Over the last week, have decided that we needed to address an issue. And that issue came up during a survey we did going back some time ago. And the survey was about working smart, you know, doing the right thing in work, everybody back in work after COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera, and how people were getting on. But the one thing that we noticed was... That people were, I suppose, they were saying to us that they were being bullied or they're being harassed or whatever it was. And we decided we needed to talk to experts and give some advice and take some callers on the air as well in relation to that. And why people were being bullied in the workplace and what they could do about it and what the steps they could could take. And when we talked to some of our experts during the week, We, we found out a lot of stuff. And when we talked to some legal experts, the number one thing she said that people are harassed over is women being pregnant which is quite shocking. In other words, overlooked for promotion because they're pregnant, um, being seen as a nuisance because they're pregnant, being seen as an inconvenience because they have a family, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. They might have a child in school, and they have to go pick up, all that kind of stuff. The other thing as well that we, we talked uh, to a healer and he was telling us about you know, the fact that people can lose their hair, and they can lose sleep over it. Uh, the number one profession, by the way, we found out from being bullied in the workplace, was teachers, surprisingly enough. And then we spoke to a HR expert, uh, who talked to one of our callers who had been asked to come in and sign a piece of paper in the office. And she said, the one thing you don't do is ever sign a piece of paper. Always take it home, have a good read of it before you sign it. And uh, she also said to take notes. So, so they're, they're some of the things that we took home for so far this week. Well, I have two more experts in our studio today. Sinead Brady is the founder and lead career and work psychologist at A Career to Love and author of the best-selling non-fiction book, Total Reset. With over 20 years of experience, she is a British Psychological Society accredited psychologist who has worked in various sectors, including law, education and industry. Through her work, Sinead advocates for workplaces that embody fairness, equity, and a human-centred approach, ensuring that everyone has an opportunity to thrive, flourish, and progress. And also I'm joined by Anne Brannock, who is an, an experienced, fully accredited relationship and parent uh, mentor uh, with the governing body I- I- IARM, the Irish Association of Relationship Mentors. Or you can go to the website www.iarm.ie. And Anne runs a private practice in relations, relationships, mentoring online and in person in Kilmachana County, Wicklow. She's also completed an MA, in the psychotherapy of relationship mentoring with first class honors her research explored the choices we make as adults being influenced by the unconscious protectors we create as children and she is a public speaker in her private practice she supports individuals couples families and workplace organizations and both those ladies join me Anne and shanae thank you very much indeed and you're so welcome to the show this evening i really appreciate you coming on and talking to us uh, if i could first come to you and uh you know when we talk about i suppose giving support to companies I mean, there are steps, preventative steps we could take to stop bullying in the workplace. But I don't think enough companies actually take those preventative steps, do they?
2: No, um, they don't. And the reason that they don't take them generally is because the people in charge, it needs to come from the leaders. And Mm -hmm. to take those steps effectively, you need to be examining your own story your own reactions, how you are with people and what message you want to bring across in the workplace.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think generally workplaces are good at dealing with somebody if they come to them and say, listen, I'm having a hard time with John, the manager or Mary, the manager. And, you know, I feel they're kind of picking on me all the time. Do you think workplaces handle that well, that situation well?
2: Well, it would seem from um, your, the HR uh, lady that you had in that they don't. In general and that not enough steps are taken and so they've outlined the steps during the week to you know informally approach it and uh, or else formally when you would get an outside person to have a look at it but I think the best thing uh, to do for yourself is to um, write it down and describe the behavior to yourself that you're not happy with but also be able to request the behavior that you want and perhaps talk with the person first if you're able to do that.
0: I mean, you better than most would understand, as you mentioned, or I have done my brief here, that you understand the hidden dynamics of conflict. Yeah. So when people come to you, I suppose it's usually after the fact when they've already been damaged by it. And we, we spoke during the week about you know the fact that people can lose their hair, they lose sleep, they have anxiety where they're getting pains in their arms, their chest and all sorts of things from going into a job they despise because their boss gives them such a hard time. How do you heal somebody in that situation? How do you make somebody feel better about themselves? Is it a case of just saying, look, you've got to leave that job? Or can they stay there and sort out the problem and then fix themselves afterwards?
2: Well, there's nothing essentially to fix and they're not damaged. That's the first thing. They're experiencing, their body is very intelligently telling them that there's something they need to do for themselves, that they have these unmet unaddressed unconscious needs to assert themselves and the pains and that particularly when you were talking about your own story niall you know with uh in school uh mm-hmm. you as a child you can't you don't have charge over the adults and so if the adults aren't noticing and listening to you there's not much you can do about it so your body is going to produce behaviors it's like Bessel van der vandercock says the body keeps the score yeah so when that happens for an adult, they are an adult and they can take steps. Whereas a child depends on the adults around them. And if the adults around them are bullying, or particularly when you talked about a school situation where um, where you developed the alopecia and that, I would wonder then how are the teachers relating with the students? Because often, and, and a school is a workplace, the, you remember yeah, how that, the that teacher.
0: That was a long time ago, Anne, and I, I talked about it the other night. Yeah. And in, in my day in school, I developed alopecia at nine years of age, yeah. lost all my hair because I was being bullied. And then what happened was it, I proceeded to be bullied by the teacher because I remember I was yeah. the, oh, the kids were giving me a hard time in the class and I started crying. I was only about 10 or 11. And the teacher told me, to shut up or you pulled the rest of my hair out. So yeah. I got to a point where I wasn't only being bullied by the kids. I was, now You've got to remember, of course, it's 50 years ago. Schools were very different in those days. So you're then being bullied by the teacher as well, telling you basically to put up with it.
2: Yes, but you will find a similar situation in the workplace because if the teacher, as a leader in the classroom, is uh, making it okay to bully you, then it gives further permission to anyone else to do it. And you would probably find that you'll find conflict in the staff room as well when mm-hmm. that kind of relating is happening. Yeah. So that's where we'd say there's no psychological safety in that organisation, you know, when it's within an organisation. And I would feel that until we're really able to address our own behaviours in a workplace, um, that creating the policies is mainly ticking boxes as such.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I want to just come to you, Sinead, just in relation to fairness and equity, That's one of the biggest issues, isn't it, in the workplace, and and particularly when it comes to gender, to men and women. Um, You know, our age groups as well, I suppose. You know, there is an ageism as well. Younger people having a go at older people, older people having a go at younger people because they're not qualified enough for whatever happens to be. It's very difficult to get an equality in the workplace, and that normally is what leads to a lot of bullying. And some of the examples we heard from some of the callers during the week primarily were restaurants for some reason. I don't know why that was, but it was younger staff having a go at older staff um, and I've no idea why, or that's a, maybe that's a dynamic. I'm not too sure. But, you know, that, that equity, is it possible to get that right in the workplace, to treat everybody equal and everybody be treated equal and people not feeling left out or isolated?
3: I suppose that's a very nuanced question and any question in relation to human behaviour, human interactions is really nuanced. But I suppose when you're thinking about the workplace, we are the first generation of people in the workplace to work alongside potentially four to five generations of people all working Mm -hmm. side by side. Um, And that's the first time that that has happened um, in at scale. So Really, what we're talking about here is learning to respect other people. Um, and that's somewhat separate to equity and equitable behaviour. So when we learn to respect other people for difference of opinion, difference of view, difference of ability um, and see that actually as a value add um, rather than seeing, well, they're not as good. That, you know, that's more of a reflection on the person who is suggesting that somebody isn't good enough for a particular reason. Um, and then the other part is equity. So respect is just a very basic thing that you can give to people. It's about transparency. It's about communication. It's about being kind to people. It's That is the cheapest way to have um, respect in any organisation, in any workplace. It's actually just to be kind to the other person and to treat them in the way that you would like to be treated yourself. And I suppose that comes back to a bit of a cliche, but, you know, where people work together, where human Centred interaction is actually the focus of a workplace Um, people thrive, the business Mm -hmm. thrives, but where people don't respect other people, don't respect their, you know, the different stages that people are at. And and we know, yes, there's ageism and there's different things, but that's probably a separate issue just to basic respect. Um,
0: And do you think do you think we all we all like to think we have respect for each other, but unfortunately we don't. I mean, people have very little respect for other people who may be more skilled than they are. Uh, And and maybe people see that as bullying sometimes, and it's not, because there always has to be a situation where an employer has the right to some degree, um, I suppose, to discipline somebody. When I say discipline somebody, to tell them, you're not doing a good job, come into my office, I need to talk to you. That has to be allowed in the workplace. And there's a fine line between discipline and bullying, isn't
3: there? So I suppose... We're talking about performance management um, and that's completely separate to behaviour. So performance management is about, you know, this is the job that needs to be done. Um, Bullying happens when somebody is, there's a level of work intensification that somebody is expected to do more work than is possible for somebody in that role. So that's when it steps into Mm -hmm. bullying behaviour. Um, The issue is you know, people are employed to do a job, therefore you have to perform in that job and you have a right to be treated with dignity and respect in the performance of that role. However, the issue is where perhaps... Um, the performance management becomes um, where you're given so much work that it's not possible for you to do it where you are contacted outside of work hours, where you don't get the opportunity to switch off, where you're expected to always be on, where perhaps you're in a meeting and you're not sure what's going to happen next. It's where there's lack of communication, where you're maybe and perhaps held up and held responsible for something that actually wasn't your responsibility. So that's where it tips the line into bullying behavior and um, but again yes there has to be performance management in organizations and that's part mm-hmm. of what happens you know if you're doing a job to the best of your ability and if the workload is is, is an honest type of workload for the role that you're in that's different and um, than bullying behavior and we have to kind of you know be able to to work together and um, But also be in a position, as Anne said, to be psychologically safe, to be able to say, you know, this doesn't feel fair or I I need some help or actually I'm having a really bad day and I need help. And Mm. somebody should meet you as a human and say, well, look, I can help you today. And then when the shoe's on the other foot. So it's people work together. People are kind to each other. They're respectful of difference. You mentioned ageism. Mm. I mean, we know now from research that, you know, there was this kind of narrative around cognitive decline that when you became old or as you began to age um, your cognitive ability wasn't the same as somebody who's younger but what we now know is that actually the type of intelligence that you display is different. So up to about the age of 25 you display what's called crystallized intelligence where you're taking information and experience and knowledge and you're kind of crystallizing that knowledge and then beyond the age of 25 you, began, you begin to have fluid intelligence which is where you're beginning to form connections across between and within different types of experience, knowledge and so on. So. Nobody enters into a stage of cognitive decline where you are neurotypical, um, as in. No, we
0: all bring something to the table. Everybody brings something. So,
3: but it's different if there's neurodegenerative issues. So maybe you've been, you know, diagnosed with Parkinson or Alzheimer's or or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's different um, than just. By the
0: way, just just one question before I go back to to, to Anne. In relation to, um, we spoke to one of the legal experts during the week. Are you surprised to hear that she said the most common? complaint that she hears of bullying in the workplace or harassing people in the workplace is pregnant women. Uh, does that surprise you, where women are almost afraid to get pregnant in case they get overlooked for promotion, afraid to get pre- pregnant in case they're seen as a nuisance in the workplace? Uh, you know, where having families is the most natural thing in the world, these managers and bosses wouldn't be there if their mothers didn't get pregnant in the first place. So there's a lack of understanding, isn't
3: there? 100%. So there, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't surprise me, sadly, that this is an issue around discrimination and in the workplace for women who are having children who are becoming mothers and it extends actually further because we have to look at the path to parenthood that the path to parenthood can be a very, very challenging time for people within which they need the support of their workplace and and they need the psychological safety to be able to have conversations. Now, I do understand that organisations like in Ireland, we have organisations that are small and medium enterprises. They've you know, it's very hard to backfill. It's it's There's a huge financial cost on the organisation. But that doesn't and is not an excuse for not treating mm-hmm. um, people with respect and with dignity and having a child does not becoming a mother, becoming a parent does not impede your ability to do your job. Um I'm a mother of four myself. I have, I have four small kids and um, that has not tainted my ability to do my job um, in any way, shape, manner or form, Um. nor does it any other parent. Yeah. Um. So we have to get to the point where we see people as having different patterns in their work life. I know we have to
0: expect we have to accept that there's a work life balance for everybody. And And if you're a mother of four children, for example, there has to be some level of leniency whereby you need to do certain things or indeed if you're the father that needs to go home and pick up a kid from school that's sick or whatever it happens to be, that we have to have an understanding that people have families Absolutely. and that, that's equally important. And if I just want to come back to you as well, and I, I know I was mentioned to Jane earlier on there that in, on February the 8th, Thursday, February the 8th, you have a psychological safety and wellbeing course that, that starts uh, around uh, that time and just I'll give the details of that a little bit later on. But when you talk about psychological safety and wellbeing, is that, can you prepare yourself um, psychologically to deal with it? Because I talk to people who say, I love my job, I go in, but I'm terrified that the boss is going to call me into the office. I'm sitting there all day anxious that I've done something wrong. And one of the girls during the week that come on said she's constantly getting up and down to make cups of coffee, so she's out of sight and she doesn't get seen. That kind of whole psychological thing.
2: Yes. Um, so... Th- The person is building a story in their own mind and the anxiety where we would work now is that the anxiety is a message to them for them about them and generally it's got legs into the past of perhaps adults in their childhood that they were afraid of and now it presents in the present with Mm -hmm. a figure of authority in the workplace yeah yeah and so um What there's a place they can always go with that is to bring their attention back onto themselves and onto what would work for them here. okay? because this the respect starts with me and how I respect myself. And so um, if I'm feeling anxious, the first thing I need to do is to acknowledge it to myself. okay? if I can't find my head, I need to find my feet on the ground and find my breath and just sit with myself and let myself know that I am anxious. There are some techniques that you can tap on the body, just letting it know. And as you let it flow through, it's the resistance of anxiety that increases it. And you get a sense of what you need as you let yourself sit with it and be able to go in and know that you deserve to be valued. And you start by valuing yourself.
0: That's what my wife tells me every single day. (laughs) Value yourself. That's one of her, her motto. She keeps saying to me all the time, what's my number one motto? And I say, value yourself. She told me that the the day that I met her. And I see, I suffer with that really badly, right? And I know this is going to sound like poor me, right? But I was born in a mother and baby home. I didn't leave there till I was, I don't know, 14, 15 months old or whatever it was. And I know psychologists recently were discussing this when they were talking about redress within the government for people who were in mother and baby homes. They said, oh, if you're there under six months, for example, you know, you're not missing out on anything. But I really do believe that you miss out on that bond between a mother and a child. I think it's really important. And I then went to a stage where I was bullied and didn't trust adults, Mm -hmm. as you rightly said. Uh, My mother was great, by the way. She would march me up and down to Temple Street Hospital to get cortisone injections when I got the alopecia. She was a wonderful woman, right? But in saying that, I developed from that anxiety, insecurity, paranoia, uh, all of those things. So I'm the most insecure paranoid. You wouldn't think it's listen to me on the radio, but I am an extremely insecure person. And I get what you're saying about that, you know, just checking yourself and saying, okay, calm down. They're not talking about you. They're not all going into the office looking out at you because they're talking about you. They're just looking out.
2: Yeah, when your attention is on somebody else, that's the valuing of yourself is bringing your attention back onto you. And Giving yourself the holding that you did not have as that infant because you are absolutely right. That past can present in the present. That's what we would call implicit memory. It's hidden memory. And the child absolutely knows that they've no bonding figure when, mm-hmm. they're, um, when they're born. And research says even in the womb, um, the child is aware, um, maybe you would say vibrationally, of yeah. what's going on and uh, not necessarily cognitively. Of course because it's not developed yet but in in that first six months is when the attachment is formed it's formed in the womb and it's formed in the early months and secure attachment your secure base is your parent if you don't have a secure brace base your development is the fastest it will ever be in your life in the first nine months of your uh, when you come into mm-hmm. the world and you're creating then neural pathways of alert hyper vigilance yeah And so then it's even more essential in that situation, knowing that the anxiety makes sense. There wasn't anyone there. And so now how can I be here for myself? How can I hold myself and give myself what I didn't have? And that is coming into the body, finding your body and just Staying with the anxiety. The anxiety might also be telling you that there's something you're afraid of, so you need to uncover that need. What am I afraid of here? Okay? So in and, in a relationship yeah, I, and, I, I, and, I, and, I, and
0: I've been in that situation where you actually don't know what you're afraid of. <laughs> you, no, but you, you it's it's like you know when you when somebody feels depressed they wake up in the morning and they feel a bit down you go I'm down but I have no idea why I'm feeling depressed or why I'm feeling a bit down. I have no idea what I'm actually worrying about but I'm worrying about something. Yes. And, and sorry if I if I could just come back to Sinead in relation yes. to that. You you mentioned as well, you know, we all have this opportunity to thrive, to flourish and progress. But realistically, if we're in a job where somebody's giving us a hard time or a group of people are gossiping and give us a hard time, what they call busting or whatever they call it, the term for that is. I mean, sometimes you just cannot thrive in a certain job and it's just time to leave, isn't it?
3: Yeah. So I think in Ireland, we're particularly good at saying, you know, stick it out. You, sh- I should be more resilient. I should be more, you know, all of these different things. And um it's coming back again to what Anna's saying. It's about listening to yourself and trusting the fact that you're having this feeling and it is a response to something that's happening around you. And, you know, when I'm talking or working with people, I'll always say, you know, is this a functional issue or is it an environmental issue? And what I mean by that is, is it the job that you're doing that you don't like it, like the function of what you do every day? So say, for example, you're a radio presenter, Niall, and you're going, no, I actually don't like the function of what I'm doing or is it an environmental issue? Are you in an organization within an industry, within an area that actually doesn't have protection, doesn't have a culture whereby it is okay to say, I'm not feeling great today or I need extra Mm -hmm. help or where gossip is accepted. And we know that one of the traits of a toxic workplace is that other people are been bullied and you're a bystander and you don't feel safe enough to be able to say, you know what, this is not OK. And actually, the impact, there's an impact on the bystander also. Even yeah. if you're not the subject of bullying, you feel the pain um, because you don't like to see somebody else been treated poorly. Or been treated badly, so and that's where we
0: should stand up, shouldn't we? Because one of our experts said that during the week. If you are a bystander, don't take it. Stand up and say, "Listen, this is not cool. This is not good."
3: And that's okay to say in theory, and I understand where that's coming from. But it is also a really difficult thing to do because mm. people are afraid that they will then become the subject of this particular behaviour. Yeah. So yeah. yes, I get that, and there's a very I do re, where there's a cultural issue of toxicity that allows people in positions of power to thrive on the bullying behaviour where they're rewarded for example by promotions or where for example their behaviour is ignored because they're able to deliver results that normally speak to bottom lines around revenue and and so on. Where that is allowed to happen there's a very serious cultural issue and you know It's a very difficult thing to turn the culture of an organization that has to be something that is seen as a priority for people in leadership positions. So I would say to somebody where you find yourself in that position, it is not a sign of weakness to put an exit strategy in place for yourself. It's mm. actually a sign that you're listening to yourself and that you are going to make the decision that works for you during this season of your life and your mental health and your own well-being are extremely important. So put an exit strategy in place. And I don't mean that you should be handing in your P45 immediately, but it is saying, OK, I am worth more than this. It is not OK to be in this type of, a, of an environment and I'm going to find a way to leave. And often we talk about confidence being the key to that, unlocking that decision. But actually, confidence is almost over, not almost, it is overvalued. It's about Mm. courage.
1: Uh,
0: Your own book, by the way, is called Total Reset, How to Quit Living to Work and Start Working to Live. And I always get confused about the two of them because I think a lot of us actually work to live. Yes, uh, Or is it living to work? I can't even remember which way around it is. But how does bullying in the workplace, I suppose, play into that needing a reset I mean, so can you reset yourself? I mean, if you're being the victim of uh, of a bully in the workplace, you know, can you reset yourself and take control of that situation? Is it easier for people to take control of that situation?
3: So the answer is no, it's not easy because what's happening is you're kind of, you're questioning yourself. You're wondering if there's something that you're doing that you're maybe need to do something different or you need to improve or you need to work harder. Or, and, and the reality is that typically no matter what you do, it won't improve the situation um, unless there's a really robust structure that addresses workplace bullying within the organisation and that's that's a very challenging thing. So I would say to somebody, reach out, get help. If there's an EAP, which is an employee assistance programme within the organisation, reach out to that. That's confidential Um, and you can get support from a trained counsellor or a trained coach or somebody who will be able to help you to think about the next steps Um, and to protect yourself. The next part then is, Um, to put in place that exit strategy and that exit strategy you know is something that I do talk about in the book but an exit strategy is about okay so this is where I am now this is where I need to go what does a plan look like that supports me to manage that transition is there a way that I can get my CV ready can I turn my notifications off on LinkedIn and get my all of my LinkedIn details updated so that you know when I hit the switch for moving to the next role
0: everything happens together
3: everything happens together so there's not constant notifications coming to people within your network you know that you're (laughs) kind of on that, that tell people that you're looking yeah Begin to have these conversations with people that are, you know, in your peer support network and they're working in other organisations and say, you know, is there a way that we can have a coffee? And as you have that coffee, kind of ask, you know, what's it like in your workplace? And is there a way that maybe is there an open door or or whatever in terms of of next roles? But certainly, I think we do try to fix ourselves. And Anne said it at the beginning, nobody if you've been bullied, you're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. It's the issue is outside of you. And it's to have that courage and it's not confidence, mm-hmm. it's courage to say, I I deserve more than this. And then to tap into your support circle and your support circle are the people who make you smile um, and the people who make you smile when you're around them and they give you energy and they hold you when you are struggling and they know um, that you just need maybe your handheld or you need to be listened to or you need the support as you are making the decision to transit transition and exit out of that particular role
0: well you two are making me smile tonight and give me plenty of energy (laughs) here so what i want to do is just take one or two calls as well and maybe you can help some people here as well but i want to go to angela first if i can angela hi sorry you've all been waiting ages there i do apologize angela hi
1: hi how are you
0: now angela you, you took a case to court
1: yeah, I did. Um so I'm back now Jesus, what is this? fifteen years ago.
0: And I'm sorry I'm gonna to have to make um, everybody very quick, so I do apologize in advance, all right.
1: Right. I'll talk I again. So basically, um, long story short, I was in a company and um uh I had to go for a day procedure, uh which turned out to be major surgery when they went in which meant I needed to take between six and eight weeks off of work. And to say that I was treated like crap when I came back. um, it, it, You know, it was a small office with seven of us in there. Um, One of them was HR. She was even involved. You know, like if they were going out for lunch, they'd email each other if anyone wanted anything in the shop. Um, Meetings to do with the company were, you know, kind of put um scheduled for my day off so i wouldn't have an opinion it was it was just horrible and then um redundancies came up and i was i was made redundant and i was the longest one there
0: so you're just um, being excluded so from everything
1: completely completely mm-hmm. you know and um it came to the thing of um like it, there was a couple of directors of the company and i had one who was on my side and he, he rang me straight away after the redundancy. They told me they drew straws. Mm. And that's how my name came out. Wow. And he rang me and told me that was total bullshit.
0: Yeah, of course it was. Yeah.
1: You know, it was. So I took them to court and I won.
0: Well done. Well done. And by, by the way, when you when you won in the court case, did you feel closure then? Did you feel... Uh, you know, yeah. I, I suppose when we're talking about a few minutes ago, to Sinead, did you did you feel that kind of reset then? Because your life could start again. Because you knew you were right. You knew they were wrong. I the knew way the I church.
1: was right. Well, and yeah, I knew the, the you know, well, the one moment in the cases, you know, in these tribunals, there's uh, one for the employee, one for the employer, and then there's the the middleman. Yeah, the chair. And yeah. At one stage, yeah, the chair, and at one stage. When they were, their, their um, solicitor was grilling me, he turned around first of all and said, this is borderline harassment, you need to stop. Well, what he was questioning me about, and then he turned around later on in the case and said, OK, there's four of you sitting here, and you're all telling lies, so I think he'd want to go out and get straight your stories, because all of you have lied.
0: I mean, that's, that's a shocking story. Thank you very much indeed, Angela, Angela for sharing All that with us. But I want to go to Anne just in relation to that. Anne, we spoke the night to another girl who was a very similar situation. Hmm. When she spoke up, when she went to HR, their answer was to isolate her or put her on the third floor yes. on her own. Angela went away and unfortunately ended up having to have a very serious operation, which she spoke to us about before, by the way, and, and it ended up in a situation where she couldn't have children anymore. And she talked to us about, on the air about that before. So, And to treat her the way they did when she came back after what she was obviously going through, which was despicable. Um, Is that a very common thing, to isolate people, to make them feel bad?
2: Yes, and it seems to be um, more common in um, women, uh, as uh, one of your HR experts was saying, and Michelle as well, um, that this, this kind of psychological unsafety, there is no inclusion, there is no safety to take part and there's no safety to challenge the status quo that's going on there.
0: That was, so, that, it's so sad to listen to that, isn't it? Yeah. When, you, when you hear something like that, it really is very sad to listen to. Especially I, people someone all over needs, the country like that.
2: she needs to be welcomed when she comes back to work mm-hmm. and to be brought up to date on what's happened. And this was not what was happening. So it's harassment. No. It is harassment of her.
0: Absolutely. Let me go to Joe if I can. Joe, hi, how are you?
4: Hi, good evening. I must congratulate you there. That's a great topic you've uh, discussed there in the last couple of nights. It's brilliant.
0: Well, and I'm, gl- I'm glad you Yeah.
4: Congratulations to two ladies there too. They made good contributions as well. Well done. Thank okay. you. Okay,
0: Joe, what, what happened to you? You worked in uh in rehab group where you were a yeah, manager?
4: Yeah, we were working the rehab group there for many, many years. And. Uh, We were doing contract work there for different companies. We were doing it for Irish Sugar. We were doing it for um, Coca-Cola. We were doing it for quality plastics, you know, the pipes. And we were doing that, like, we were doing about eight-hour shifts a day, and we really loved doing it. But the management up there didn't kind of appreciate what we were doing. They were kind of treating us like as if we were some sort of um, pariahs, you know? And... We were getting a lot of abuse from them, like you know, they were saying that we were um, we're not the kind of people shouldn't we shouldn't be really seen in public, like they were saying to us.
0: Well, and, so what do they mean you shouldn't be seen in public? What was wrong with uh, us?
4: See, a lot of us, a lot of people had disabilities, right? We all had disabilities, yeah. And as you know, in this country, people with disabilities have been treated like uh, dog meat for many, many years by um, by society in general, and. We were kind of like, you know...
0: What, like you, you were an embarrassment great. to the companies, to these companies. We
4: embar- yeah, exactly. We were an embarrassment to the company. But I went to one of the managers one day and I had it over them and I said, listen here, I said, we're doing, we've been working in, these, in this organisation now for quite a long time. And we've, we, give it, we give it our best shot every day. We're coming in in all kinds of weather, you know. And at the time when I was walking out too, I had a, my own problems because my father was very sick. I was looking after him as well. So it wasn't an easy slug like. But one of them turned around and he said to me, he says, you've no right to speak to me like that, he says. And he said, you're the kind of people that shouldn't be seen. Like if you're... Should be and
0: seen and not heard. Said, yes, yeah.
4: Or yeah, heard and not
0: seen, yeah. Of, that around. Yeah,
4: dude. like the old saying, do as, you, do as I say, do as I don't, you know, or whatever that yeah. kind of thing, Like, yeah. you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was in and I felt very annoyed about it. And I said I'm sure to, uh, you did. Res- I said, with respect now, I said, you've no right to speak to me like that. Because I said, Since people like us are keeping the to see you in your positions, I said. And he turned to me and he said to me, he says, how dare you? He says, I'm going to suspend you for three weeks for speaking to me like that.
0: And what did you do about it? When he, what did you do about it when he suspended you?
4: I made a complaint to uh, official management. I got on to him. Uh, Unfortunately, they didn't do much for me. But my father, God rest him, actually told me um, what you, what he actually, my father actually at the time, God rest his soul, told me I should leave the place. But I said I didn't really want to do that because I've made such great friends with people Mm. that was keeping me occupied every day, like, you know? Yeah. So um, just because I was Christian and they're, they're you know, like the way they were treating us, I got suspended for nearly three weeks.
0: That's 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 hor- that's horrendous, Joe. I'm, I'm sorry to, to, to cut you all short. I'm really sorry for cutting everybody short. I feel so bad, but uh, Sinead, I just want to come to that because when we talk about equity and equality in the workplace, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the one thing I suppose over the years you thought had gone away—this idea that people with disabilities should be, you know, hidden away somewhere—you know, we thought we'd passed that point, but obviously, cl- clearly not. When it comes to Joe, um, you know, we don't want you to, like so these companies that he was working contract work with rehab for, didn't want them seen because it was embarrassing for the company just because they had disabilities. That's so, that's so sad, isn't it?
3: I'm so sorry to hear Joe's story and Angela's because yes. both of them are in their own way harrowing um, and there's abuse of power in both situations. Now, I'm listening to Joe and I'm hearing that he stayed because he had friends and there was a social connection and and so on but There's nothing that, there's nothing, nobody should be exposed to that kind of behaviour, to an abuse of power, to robust bullying behaviour and then punitively dealt with because they raised an issue that is absolutely wrong. Um, So again, this is a reflection of a particular organisation at a particular time moment in time. It's mm-hmm. not acceptable. Um and nobody should have to suffer that type of behaviour. Are we getting
0: Are we getting better? So I don't know whether either one of you want to answer this question. Are we getting better at accommodating people with disabilities in Ireland? Because the one thing I've noticed in Ireland particularly in Ireland is we don't accommodate people with disabilities very well. When I'm in America, for example, on holidays, you see people working in all sorts of different places, in Walmart, everywhere. I saw a guy in a wheelchair collecting the trolleys at the car park, for example. You know, right. they really do accommodate people with disabilities in all sorts of ways. They actually almost encourage it. Here we do nothing for people with disability. They're, they're seen as some sort of inconvenience in the workplace. Is that ever going to change in this country? Are we going to make an effort?
2: Uh, I would see that there there are some efforts being made, Niall. And even in Dunleary a whole cafe is opened up Mm -hmm. that's been run by people that we're calling differently abled Mm -hmm. as opposed to disability, um, because each person brings what they bring um, to the workplace. And so they would have um, staff of varying abilities and they run the whole thing. And uh, that that's a new development um, there and bodies like I don't know if you can mention bodies like As I Am and that are working towards um, having people come more and more into the workplace, but I don't think it's very fast in any way.
3: I suppose we know as well that with working from home or working from anywhere, the access to opportunity was greatly increased for people with differing abilities. So it meant that, you know, you didn't have to maybe access public transport, which is a real issue in this in this country. So we reached the highest level of employment for people that were differently abled um, in the pandemic actually when people could work from home interestingly also coming back to just another topic um many women speak of the fact that they were able to conceal their pregnancy right up until the statutory four weeks before they had to inform their employer and it they felt that that was a way of being able to stay included um and Yes, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you could only see from the shoulders up or whatever. So we do have an issue. But I think we also have some great things that are happening and some organizations and some bodies that are doing great work. And I think talking about it, opening the conversation, having a narrative that looks at, you know, these are not acceptable behaviors and it is not the problem of the person who is the recipient of this. It is actually a wider systemic issue. And there are brilliant workplaces out there. There really are. I work with some of them and they would be appalled to hear that anybody will be treated like Angela or Joe um, yeah. because it is wrong. Yes. And I would suggest that the majority of workplaces do not have these behaviours in them. And if they do, there are small pockets and it is dealt with. But where it happens, it does consume your life and it affects you as an individual. Um, So the more we can do to shine a light on this um, and to talk about it, the better it will be for everybody. And particularly for the generations that come behind us, Niall. Not, you know, it may not benefit us directly at this point, um, but the generations that come behind hopefully they will come into workplaces that are kinder kinder, more human focused I was,
0: I was talking about this at other right I, I reckon you know my kids kids mm. uh, maybe not my kids but certainly my kids kids will be working four days a week not five um, I think we'll move to a four day work a week eventually um, we'll get a better life balance I only said to somebody the other day isn't it awful that we can't just add another day to the week like mm-hmm. an 8 day wouldn't that be great if we had 8 days in the week rather than rather than the current 7 then we'd have 4 off yeah. uh, anyway listen it's been wonderful talking to both of you and if, by the way if anyone wants to go along to the psychological safety and well being you're doing that in the Glen of the Downs in Wicklow and is that correct on it's, February the 8th yeah Curse the, the, the Feb- Glenview Feb-
2: Hotel February the
0: 8th I know it well yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's a beautiful hotel but yes uh, and if anyone wants to go along there, how can they How can they do that? They can pop along to your or eventbrite.ie, is it? It's
2: on Eventbrite at the moment. We'll finish it off and put it on social media.
0: Yeah. And also, by the way, Sinead has a book out if you want more information yeah. on what Sinead was talking about tonight. And uh, The book is called Total Reset, How to Quit Living to Work and Start Working to Live. Thanks, I man. think we could all take a lesson from that. Sinead and Anne, thank you very much indeed for joining us. And Kate, I'm so sorry I didn't get to you because I would have. there was four or five more people I really wanted to get to on the phone, but I'm not going to get to them, so I do apologise. And to all those people who wanted to come on the air and get some advice, but I hope you've taken something from the advice that has been given uh, from Anne and Sinead tonight and all other contributors during the week, and I hope you got some really good advice. If you are in the workplace and you are being bullied at the moment, don't accept it. Reset yourself, (laughs) uh, as Sinead said. Heal yourself, as Anne talked about, you know, and touching yourself and making sure you understand the value of your own importance, because that's really what's important is you. You are the one that's important. And we'll talk a little bit about, about it after the break. But listen, thank you very much indeed, ladies, and I appreciate you coming in and talking to us this evening. Thanks,
2: Noah. Thank you, Noah.
0: Now, now, real people, real opinions, nighttime talk with
2: Niall Boylan.
1: Ireland's classic hits radio.